Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. It's episode 317. I've got my new great co-host, Cindy Nickerson, the course whisperer with me. And we're going to have a, uh, it's going to be an internal show this week, folks. Um, we're going to be discussing how to validate your course idea. If you're looking at a membership site and um, you've got a course, we're going to delve into that. Cindy, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure, absolutely, Jonathan. Hi, everyone. It's Cindy Nicholson from thecoursewhisperer.co, where I help entrepreneurs create online courses that their clients rave about. So I'm excited to chat about this topic today, Jonathan. Yeah, it should be a good discussion, actually, Cindy. Um, Before we delve into the meats and potatoes of the subject, I just want to quickly mention our, our great sponsor, and that's Kinsta Hosting, and uh, the WP Tonic website is hosted with Kinsta, and I've got some of my clients' sites with Kinsta as well. And they are a um, they only manage WordPress. They use Google Cloud um, as their framework. They've got a fantastic UX design. Their support is fantastic. They've got all the bells and whistles, staging sites. Um, you can select what version of PHP. They've got all the latest versions of PHP. Um, like I say, they've got a staging site, um, automatic backup. Um, the interface is just really easy to use. And like I say again, their support is magical. They re- big enough to have all the resources, small enough to still care. If that's interesting to you or your clients, Go to the WP Tonic website. There's banners on the website. They are affiliate links. So if you use one of those for your, to set up your own website or for a client website, you'd be supporting the show as well. That's really handy. And I can't recommend them more. So we're going to delve into the main subject. So, um, Cindy, how, to, how do you start this process of validating your course idea? Well, number one, you know, you you may have a course idea kind of mulling around, you know, bouncing around in your brain. And really, before you kind of create any content, before you put anything down in terms of outline or or actual lessons, is is you really want to make sure that once it is ready, that people are going to buy it. And so I recommend in any course creation process that you start with validating the idea. And it can't be just whether or not you think it's a good idea. You need to go out there and find out if this is going to sell. Why, why spend all the time creating it if nobody is going to be interested in it? So I, I usually recommend a, a three-step process to validating your course idea. And really the first step is asking yourself, are people going online for a solution to a problem? So your online course um, or membership, it's, it's got to solve a problem. And 
in order for people to find your course, they need to be going online and looking for a solution because that's where you're going to get your customers from, from people going online to looking for a solution to the problem. So the first step is, are people going online? And well, how do you find this out? Um, well, you know, one of the places that I go to is to go- the Google keyword search and, um, and, and type in some of the keywords that would be related to your course. And what you can find from the Google keyword search tool is how many people are searching every month for that particular topic. So, you know, A, if people are going online to look for a solution to their problem. Um, so that, that's kind of really the first step is, are people going online? The second step in terms of what I recommend is if you know people are going online and, and you know, with the Google keyword search, I would say, you know, a thousand people plus are going online every month for to look into your topic. That would probably be a good benchmark to go from. Um, the next question is, if they're going online, are they willing to pay money for a solution? Um, or are they just going around and gathering the content for free online? Because that's what people can do. So the next question you need to ask yourself is, okay, are they going online, but are they willing to pull out their wallet for a solution to the problem? And, uh, That's where I usually recommend then going and doing some um, competitive research. So what I would suggest is going and seeing what other courses are out there in terms of um, selling what what you're interested in selling. So number one, you get some competitive research done, but you also get to to gauge whether or not enough people are interested um, in paying money for a course. So you can go to... Udemy, um, Coursera, Linda, all of these different places to see if there's other courses out there um, that are solving a problem similar to what you would want to solve for them as well. Now, um, that often I get asked, okay, well, if I see my core that my course topic out there. Um, is already out there, should I then not do it? I actually think it's the opposite. It's that I think it's showing that there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of um, uh, demand for that particular topic. And so that means that you have a viable marketplace out there of people that are wanting to buy it. So I I think it's actually a good news story that if you see other um, courses out there and you see a number of people taking the courses because that means that there is a demand for it and here's your opportunity to bring in your expertise to help solve the problem in your own unique way. What are your thoughts on that, Jonathan? Would you agree? Yeah, I think that's great. I I think my mind, I had a question for you as you were, before you asked my thoughts. (laughs) no, no, it was, um, it's just that there's there's one client I'm dealing with at the present moment and they're just in pre-launch. I've advised them to do a beta before they really pull the trigger. Um, but their course is aimed at universities and it, it's aimed at a specific niche of the staff of um, at a specific 
Um, I don't want to get too specific about the client, but it's aimed at a, a very niche market in the university administrative back um, back office. Um, and he's aimed at that. But let's say, let's say you got like it's medical or some other like aimed at university that... Um, and they have to they have to get training, but at the present moment, most of the training is either done face to face or in small courses, but uh, at the university or at a training centre, whatever. There's there, there's a lot of that goes on, doesn't it, Cindy? Can you what's your experience if somebody says, "Oh, well, I would like to put that on on online"? Are there have you had any instances where you've had people approach you like that? And if yes, is there particular things you've got to keep in mind to kind of move from a physical scenario to online? Um, no, I haven't experienced that before, other than a number of my clients are taking their own expertise and putting it online because they've only done like face-to-face before. Um, but if, it, if it's something that like the content or the course has always been delivered face to face rather than online, then it's just a little bit different research, right? Um, Because they would need to find out, and this could be done online as well in terms of researching how many other courses are available even face to face. I think that that still, that information should still come up online as well. And then it would be, then you would need to ask your, the question, um, would people be willing to go online to take the course? Like, is there, is there a reason why it isn't done online or is it just because it hasn't been done before? Do you know what I'm saying? Is that, uh, you know, there's some courses that people may not want to do online because they want to have the opportunity to see people face to face, have that community, like the face to face experience. Um, but if it's just because it hasn't been done before, then there's a huge opportunity from that perspective is, is because then you have much broader reach um, than doing it face-to-face. Um, but it would be more, what are, how is the content delivered? And is that content able to be delivered over, like a, in a virtual world sort of thing? Yeah, that is, yeah, I think that's a great answer. It's just a little bit tricky. You've got to make that judgment call, haven't you? That, you know... Um, maybe that's why they should hire you. <laughs> Give a second, a second opinion, can't you? Uh, um, so, well, what's interesting is a lot of corporations are going virtual. Like I used to, when I worked in the corporate world, we had a face-to-face um, two-week training program, and it all got put online. And it was still possible to do. You may, you know, sacrifice some elements, but but it's just being a bit creative in terms of how you can then deliver it online in order to give them as much of an ex- the, the similar experience as possible. But more and more people are looking to go virtually rather than face-to-face now anyway. So there's things that can be done nowadays. Right. Um, so I kind of... As I do, Cindy, I, I kind of I converted the river a little bit to a, a different call stand. So do you want to continue about some of the things you observed connected to validating the course? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I just talked about you need, if you're considering uh, creating a course and selling it online, 
you know, really answering the question, are people willing to pay for it? Willing to pull out the, their, their, their wallets to pay for a course. And again, it's a matter of doing some competitive research at this time. And, you know, this whole validation process is great because it will help you get an idea of gauge the interest. But what the other benefit is you just gather so much valuable intel as you're going through this process that will really help you write the course itself. So as much as people don't like to go through this step, um, it just it ends up paying dividends down the road. So, so that was the second step. Are people willing to pay for it? And then the last step uh, in, in terms of the whole validation process that I recommend is, is are people willing to pay you now? So not only are they willing to pay for it, are they willing to pay you? And so this is when I recommend you now go to your audience. Uh, and, and, you know, if you have an audience already, a substantial audience, you, um, you may be able to forego the first two steps, but interviewing your audience that you have um, can help you really hone in on what it is the pain point that you're solving for. So it's a matter of then going to your audience and asking them, you know, what is your biggest challenge when it comes to this problem? You know, what is it that you would like to see resolved when it comes to this problem? So asking them about all of the problems or the challenges that they're having, and then would they be will then asking them would they be willing to um, it, it, uh, to take a course on this if it would solve the problem that they're describing? Yeah. I, I, I... My experience is that so many on their first pony uh, ride, so many pe- entrepreneur or people that want to do the course, they want to miss it, that step. <laughs> they don't want to do that for some reason, do they? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, because they also, they also may have it in their mind that they think it's a great idea and, and it's hard to get away from that. Um, once you kind of have are convinced that this is the next thing, it's hard to get away from that to be open to listening to feedback. And that's why, you know, anytime you start up with a course idea, you know, start it as a hypothesis before you, you know, decide that this is the route that you're going to go. Because, you know, often I'll have clients in my initial conversation with them, they're like, I'm thinking about doing a course on this. And they're like, what do you think? Is that a good idea? And I'll be like, I don't know. What does your audience say? What are the problems they're coming to you with? Because I, you know, I may have a hunch, but if I'm not your target market client, then my opinion isn't going to be worth anything. Um, And so that's why you really, really need to go and ask your audience and find out what it is that they need help with. And sometimes it may, that's why I say put it as a hypothesis because you need to be willing to change your mind or change the direction. You need to be open to that so that you're listening for the right cues from your audience. Otherwise you're only going to hear what you want to hear from them. That's, that's great. I think we're going to go for our break folks. We'll be back and we'll be delving in a bit more about how do you, judge if you should do this course in the first place we will be back in a few moments folks do you want to spend more time making money online then use wb tonic as your trusted wordpress developer partner they will keep your wordpress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money examples of wp tonic's client services are landing pages page layouts widgets updates and modifications 
WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's WP Tonic.com. Just like the podcast. Coming back, folks. Me and Cindy have had a bit of a discussion about this. We're going to delve a little bit more into it. Um, I think what you said there, you know, is so powerful, really, um, because if you really, if you really, it's a strange thing being an educational entrepreneur, really, because you've got, to, you've got to be really passionate to get you through the highs and lows of any type of business. You know, and there's definitely lows. So you've got to be passionate, but on the same breath, you've got to be in some ways very impa- unemotional about things. It's finding that right balance, isn't it, Cindy? Yeah, I think it's about, I think the passion um, could be more directed to passionate about helping your clients as opposed to being passionate about salt, like, you know, a, a particular solution. So if you if you kind of have the hat on that you're passionate about helping your clients, then that will help give you the open mind to be able to listen to what they're asking for of you. And, uh, and, and, it, and it's really all about listening, uh, all about listening and, and, and seeing what questions you're being asked all the time, what kind of comments or guidance you're constantly giving. And those are all cues to help you come up with what, you know, whether or not a course idea is good or not. So, got any thoughts about, you know, you've done, you've asked questions. What about doing, have you had anybody do kind of um, online surveys, like use um, SurveyMonkey? Have you had any people done that? And has it it brought up any insights that surprised them if they did do it? Yeah, absolutely. So, I... um well, this is the thing is if you don't have a big audience and so you can't go to your audience and ask them, you know, tell me exactly what you're struggling with, then can, is there an opportunity to survey an audience that's similar to yours? So, you know, I'm often in, often in Facebook groups, uh, people will post surveys in order to kind of, you know, test the waters of, around different um, course ideas. And, you know, based on my experience, people are very, very, helpful and willing, especially if you are telling them you're going to solve a pain point for them. Um, they are very willing to offer their feedback and because um, if it's a big enough pain point, they've got lots to say about it. So if you can, if you don't have your own audience and it's not, or it's not large enough to get, you know, enough feedback, then going and going into Facebook groups or, you know, posting surveys can certainly help you with that. And it's really about asking, you know, what are, you know, when it comes to this topic, what are your biggest challenges? You know, when it comes to this topic, what are your biggest fears? What would you, what would a perfect day look like? Um, how are you feeling now? And how would you like to feel differently? There's lots of different questions that um, you can ask. And it, and it doesn't hurt either to gauge some interest on how much would you pay? How long would you, you know, the course, uh, how long would you be willing to spend on a course like this? Or how much would you be willing to pay? And then even in the, um, in this questionnaire, you can even, um, ask them if, if I were to offer a course that offered this solution, would you be willing to be a, a beta tester, um, to help me to get feedback on the course? So there's other things that you can do as part of this whole process to 
even start, you know, planting the seed that you have this course available. Go ahead. Another area that's not directly re- linked, but is important, it's not talked about, and it's kind of like elephant in the room, really, dropout. People dropping out of a course, you know, about, you know, after a week, after two weeks, and abandoning and cancelling their monthly subscription or whatever. Um, got any insights about some practical things that can be done to avoid that if the fundamental of the course is up to standard? Why well, they've done the things that we've been talking about in this episode. Yeah, well, I, I think that the whole validation process is part and parcel of um, reducing the dropout rates of your course because if you come up with your course idea and put your course content together without asking anybody about it, you have no idea if you're hitting the mark. And so if people buy your course and they get into it and they're like, yeah, this isn't really what I'm looking for, um, that's going to be the first thing. So the validation will definitely help with dropout rates. Um, The other things that, you know, kind of are fundamental, I think, in terms of managing dropout rates is the second one is really being clear on who your audience is in terms of who the course is designed for and to be quite specific on it because you can't build an online course for everybody. You know, if you're, you're writing a course on Facebook ads or what have you, you can't do it for everybody. You really need to hone in on who it is for specifically because when the student is in your course, you want them to feel like all of the content is written for them. And all of that content is going to help them specifically. As soon as they start to get content that, oh, you know what, I already know this stuff, you know, I've already learned this stuff before, or this is way over my head, that's when you also get dropout, um, students dropped out. And uh, if, however, if they're feeling like all of the content that is there is, you know, made specifically for them, they're going to keep taking the the course. And I I have a perfect example. I am. Uh, I think it was two years ago now, I um, signed up for a course. Actually, I had begged off taking any more courses. And um, I wasn't going to do any more courses. But never, I never, never, never. I spent all my money. I wasn't going to spend any more. And then I got an email and I was like, okay, I'm not taking the course. You're tempted the guy, did you say, do you miss it? <laughs> I, I thought I would read it to see how the copywriting was. But anyway, in her you know, who is this course for? She was super specific. She, she highlighted the income that you Intelligent woman, lives yeah. in Canada, Toronto. But that was it. <laughs> but she highlighted the income. She highlighted the number of clients I had. She highlighted what the website status was. Like she was super specific. And so by the end of me reading her comment, uh, copy, I was like, oh my gosh, this course is exactly for me. So A she got the sale because she was super specific and she defined me, but also B when I took the course, all of the content was directly related to me. And I went through the entire course because everything was where I was at and what could be completed. So that's kind of the second thing in terms of, you know, managing dropout rates is to be really clear on who the audience is that you're taking it so that the training can be tailored to them specifically. Do you also think um, really um, concentrating on the initial onboarding, you know, that doesn't really 
matter which technology platform you're going to utilize. You know, I'm a bit of a Facebook freak, you know, um, that's my origins. But, you know, if somebody wants to use Kajabi or Learnable, we can help them. Um, but you, do you think working out, you know, uh, a really initial good onboarding experience for you really helps in avoiding a lot of initial dropout? Yeah, I, I 100%. Your students are going to be the most excited about taking your course when they sign up. <laughs> like, it's just going to be diminish, diminishing after that, especially when they get into the work. But they're going to be most excited <laughs> about taking your course right when they sign up. So there's your opportunity to wow them, to kind of maintain or um, perpetuate that motivation through the course. So having a really good onboarding experience and having them, giving them something right away to start doing or working on is, is, is a good opportunity to have that positive experience too. That's that's great um, because I think there's probably a um, we've got some people um, coming on the show that specialise in that onboarding uh, experience about emails and also just just the area of onboarding in general. So I look forward to our discussions with these pe- these experts. Yeah, so, uh, Bon. No, I was going to say yeah. I think that's great because I think that's. Uh, I think it's often as an, um, considered an afterthought. They worry about the content, they worry about the content, and then this whole onboarding thing is they're exhausted by the course at this point in terms of the creators <laughs> that they don't kind of think about it. But I think that this is a really good opportunity to kind of set the, set the stage for what the course is going, experience is going to be like. So based on your experience, Cindy, how, how strongly do you recommend that they do a beta before they announce the course to everybody on the internet in their niche market. How how important do you think it is to get a small beta test group to try it out and get some feedback before the big launch, Cindy? I I think it's 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 very important um, to kind of really test the waters and get feedback as you go along the way before you actually launch it out there. The the feedback you get will be invaluable to to what um, how your course looks like in the long run. So yeah, no, I think it makes a lot of sense to have like a beta launch of your course prior to kind of the full the full launch itself. But they want to announce their baby now, you know. It, they've gone through all the pains of course production. They want it. How do you write it back a little bit, Cindy? I think it's setting expectations right from the get-go before you start creating anything is is kind of establishing what the process or what the launch process is going to look like. So I kind of usually talk them through that um, at the outset. Um, and, and, you know, the... The, the beta is just part of the course creation process as opposed to it, the course being done. And, um, you know, it's just a, a step in the whole process of actually getting it done. So set the expectations at the beginning. Mm, they're so eager. But like you, like you say, so we've gone, you know, so we've gone through a few things. We've gone through doing some basic research about, you know, are you fulfilling a need? Is there any demand? The, the other area that I thought we'd go, quickly go through before we wrap up is pricing. Um, I think pricing's a bit of a nightmare. What's your thoughts around pricing? 
So we have a couple of minutes before we have to go, and you bring up pricing, Jonathan. <laughs> That's what I do, isn't it? But just give a little, and then if we do another, I think we do a, a internal. Show. We can do a whole half hour just on pricing, can't we? But just oh, yeah. give a couple of little insights before we wrap up. I, I I think that there's there's a couple of things um, because again, people often get hung up on what the pricing should be. But this can also be part of that whole validation process. When you're, when you're doing your competitive research, find out what the marketplace is selling um, courses for. Uh, and so as part of your market research of this validation process, that can help start give you an idea from a pricing standpoint. And then the second thing is um, the price is based on. Well, I think we should. Well, I think we should stop there. Actually, okay, Sandy. I'm good with that. We could do a whole half. We are going to do a whole half hour about pricing, but I think that's a really, you know, a great point because that's another reason why you want to do this initial research because it really will give you guidance about pricing. And I'm not joking, folks. Pricing and getting the right it can mean the difference between a failure and a course that really generates some nice income for you if you get this pricing wrong can't it cindy yeah yeah and you know sometimes you got to play with it a little bit too so yeah so cindy how can people find out about what you're up to and what you're doing online cindy well, they can certainly visit me at thecoursewhisperer.co. I've also um, started to um, dabble a bit with LinkedIn. So um, I've been exploring that a little bit. So uh, please. You're getting dangerous with LinkedIn, are you, Sydney? Well, I don't know. I'm trying it out. So you can also come and connect with me on LinkedIn and say hi. That's great. Cindy's really very friendly. Um, and she puts up with me and my madness. Uh, um, so, uh, <laughs> um, so if you want to get hold of me, folks, it's really easy. Um, I'm, all, I'm all over the internet. Go and come to the WP Tonic website. Have a look at our great articles around uh, membership websites and learning management systems. Um, also, if you want to book a, a 15-minute consultation, you just you see that just on the front page and we can have a chat and I can help you with your ideas uh, or send them off to Cindy as well. Uh, um, if you really want to support the show, folks, leaving us a review on iTunes is really very helpful. It really promotes the show. It enables me to get some really better and interesting guests and share their knowledge with you, the audience. So if you feel generous, give us that. A review i read them all and um and i really love feedback so we'll see you next week folks where we have somebody uh, expert on um wordpress on membership or on online marketing we'll see you next week folks bye thanks for listening to wp tonic the podcast that gives you a spoonful of wordpress medicine twice a week